Welcome to the Utah Apocopalians, the podcast that talks about the unique church, the Episcopal Diocese of Utah in our unique land of Utah. And there's nothing more unique than what comes on at the end of October as the little kids go around the neighborhood. But wait, this goes back a long time as a religious holiday. And to talk about that, and to talk about not only Halloween and All Saints Day, but the rector of All Saints Church, which is the most appropriate church to be talking about All Saints, the Reverend Trace Browning. Welcome, and let's get right started in saying, you mean this doesn't start with little kids in costumes and going door to door? No, it uh, goes way back in uh, Christian history, and then along the way it picked up some uh, various traditions, pagan and otherwise, that uh, go back even farther. And so it goes back, we know if we look at a church calendar, it says all held um, Eve, and that of course becomes Halloween, doesn't it? Correct. Um, and its origins in the Christian church is by the, by the third century, there was um, a day shortly after Easter, usually the, the week after Easter, where the church would pray for those who had died, in particular the martyrs, the saints of the church. And uh, that would go on every year in the, the spring following Easter, an appropriate time because of uh, the commemoration of Jesus' death and resurrection. And then uh, it was originally called All Martyrs Day because of that, uh, those who had given their lives for the church and for the gospel. And by uh, the ninth century, uh, Pope Gregory the third uh, moved it to November 1st and called it All Saints Day, um, also called All Hallows Day, uh, meaning hallowed, meaning holy. So from about the uh, ninth century, it's been All Hallows Day, All Saints Day. And uh, it is from that, the, the day before that is All Hallows Eve, uh, or the Celtic word even, meaning uh, evening. So All Hallows even uh, got reduced to uh, all Halloween or just Halloween as we know it in English today. Um, and that's that's a quick rundown of, of how wow. we got from the that's early days <laughs> to... Uh, well, that about does oh, this podcast. <laughs> that was about everything we were going to ask. But I think we could probably go into this a little deeper. You know, as a uh, leader of, um, of a church and the leader of All Saints, does it bother you that it's become this kind of... Uh, whole different party atmosphere or should it be religious or are you all right with that i you know i'm all right with that the christian church uh has had a a long tradition of taking holidays that uh didn't begin entirely religious and kind of co-opting them or including them into uh, dates and holy days in the in the christian tradition so uh you know, we get, for example, Christmas. We don't know the day that Jesus was born. We, we just don't. There's nothing in history or scripture to uh, give us a clear uh, cl date on that. So, again, in the fourth century, the uh, day around the, the winter solstice, uh, around December 21st, December 25th, became the day for the Christian church to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So as the days grew longer, as more sun was coming into the world, the Christian church set that time of year, that date to celebrate the Son of God coming into the world at, at Christmas time. And uh, so 
you know, different customs come with that, different uh, traditions come along with that. When All Hallows uh, Day, All Saints Day moved to November 1st, uh, that picked up on a tradition uh, a lot of people think was from the, uh, that date was used by Celtic traditions and probably German traditions that go back uh, as old as Christianity, maybe even another thousand years. Uh, uh, the Celtics had uh, the Samhain Day, the end of summer day, which was right around November 1st. And that's when they would uh, have bonfires and uh, commemorate the end of summer and uh, the beginning of the, the darker half of the year, uh, beginning in, in November. And um, they also remember the dead in that, and that fit nicely with the Christian tradition of all saints. Uh, and so, yeah, it, Christianity has a way of kind of taking what is already there, including it in uh, with, the, with other Christian traditions, and that, that seems to be okay. And I'm, I'm okay with that. All right, well, I'm glad you are. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not going to change this one, and no. it is a time, I know, uh, from my experiences in Episcopal churches growing up and all that, that we always had parties and we put on costumes. It, I, I want to make it clear that uh, this is not something new, that the church has celebrated ghosts and goblins in that manner of fun for years. Now, um, what happens on All Hallows Night? What, what happens? Uh, is there a special service? Have you heard of special services? We know on All Saints Day, often it is a tradition to read the names of those who have died out of the parish and, uh, and those who we want to remember. But what happens on the night before? Is there any type of a service or remembrance? Yeah, well, first of all, to, to kind of expand on what you said about All Saints Day, um, Many Episcopal churches, uh, most, uh, will celebrate All Saints Day either on November 1st or the Sunday following that. And so there are special prayers for All Saints. We, um, the custom we've introduced a few years ago is for that Sunday service, we invite people to bring a small memento, a small picture, some object of remembrance from uh, their ancestors, the saints in their life. And we set those on the window sills in our sanctuary. So uh, during the church, we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, uh, what, what our prayer says and what uh, the Hebrews, uh, the letter to the Hebrews says. So uh, we also invite people to submit the names of those in their lives that have passed away the, the year following. So we, um, that's how we commemorate All Saints. Uh, it's especially important to our parish. The, the night before, we don't have anything uh, in our parish, but we do have uh, the Sunday before where we talk about this to our children in the Sunday School Godly Play program. Uh, we invite them to uh, dress up if they want, and uh, they'll take a more active role in the 1030 service. That's this coming Sunday. And then we have a trunk or treat service. So we kind of embrace the whole spirit of uh, secular Halloween along with the, the religious meanings of, of All Hallows' Eve and, uh, and All Saints' Day. Do you think um, every culture, you talked about the Celtic culture, we know um, European um, in wider senses. Of course, we know that um, in Mexico, there 
there's a great celebration of the Day of the Dead, again, that same day. Um, is there a, a feeling of uh, wanting to connect with uh, the, the spirit of the ancestors? Is there a religious offering that uh, lets us know that if one believes in an afterlife, uh, certainly Christianity, that there is this living presence? Um, what is it that, that you think is a requirement or becomes very special for people to want to connect? Yeah, I, I think that's part of human nature because you find it in so many different cultures. Um, you'll find different uh, cultures in various African countries where they really honor those who have passed away and even offering uh, prayers for them and, and asking prayers of them. And we see this in, in the Celtic culture and other European cultures. Uh, and as you said, that the Day of the Dead. And I think this is a... Um, it's a human desire to know we aren't just by ourselves. It's not just me in the space of my lifetime, however long that may be, 60, 70, 80 years, uh, that, that we're connected to, to a much longer line, those who have gone before, my parents, grandparents, ancestors. Um, and certainly we have our own take on that as Christians uh, with our belief in the resurrection, but I think that, that belief, so many cultures have such um, respect and, and ways to honor and remember ancestors, I, I think it's just a, a human condition. We long for that. So the, the, in the Celtic tradition around Samhain, they, they would have bonfires, and they would sometimes make trips to where uh, bodies had been buried to offer prayers for the dead or even gifts for the dead in terms of, of uh, food or prayers. And uh, that culture... Some people believe when, when Christianity came to the British Isles, they, they took that, also their own tradition of all saints, and then they would begin to uh, dress up as saints or the departed. And uh, they would do that on All Hallows' Eve, on, on Halloween. And there's even some, some evidence that people would go around and uh, ask for food, much way in the same, the, the later trick-or-treaters would do it. And they would go and uh, ask for food. And that was the day where it was perfectly acceptable to do that. You dress up like a saint, uh, the ancestors, and then you go around asking for that. Um, so I, I think that's all part of it. It's also interesting that um, in the time around October 31st, there's a uh, feeling to almost um, laugh at the macabre or, in, or be entertained. Certainly we have these haunted houses throughout uh, the air area, very popular, and people try to scare people, the old original, dress up like a skeleton or mm -hmm. something and go around. What do you think that is? How did that kind of become part of our psyche that we, we have that desire only once a year, perhaps? Right. But what, what do you think that has? Uh, I, you know, uh, I think that probably has its origin in uh, not only All Saints Day, but in from Mexico um, and other countries in, in Central America around this idea of the Day of the Dead. And it was real common. Uh, and again, once uh, that predates, that's pre-Columbian, this idea of the, the Day of the Dead being celebrated uh, there in Mexico. Um, but it was the day to offer gifts to the dead, make trips to the cemetery, decorate graves, 
uh, have things, scary things like uh, skeletons be very commonplace around, uh, uh, around that celebration. I, I think it is, it is a way to kind of laugh at it, to kind of subdue some of that fear. Uh, you know, coming across a real skeleton at night would be frightful, but it's very different when kids have one that they parade around with and dress up and, and laugh at or walk with or dance with. I think it's a way to uh, make death, at least for that day of year, not quite as scary. Uh, and so, you know, maybe in, in being familiar with that, when we hear of death, with, with we, when we encounter death uh, among our friends or family, uh, it's, it's not so new and frightening. Uh, and death is something everyone's going to have to face. And it's, I think it's a way for a culture to, to deal with that. Death is, is part of the experience, so this day we'll kind of have a little fun with it and not really be afraid of it. And another emotion that I've witnessed on All Saints Day when they're reading the, um, the list of people who have died and I hear names and I go, oh yeah, I remember that person, perhaps a lay reader at the pulpit or yes. perhaps I recall here, oh, I remember when this person made uh, famous salad for the potluck or something and, and now has um, gone to the on beyond. And do you feel that there's kind of a comfort to, to, to just like relive those names? Do you find that when you see perhaps maybe spouses who um, bring in that picture of their spouse and put it on those beautiful windows at All Saints, which we should say also is a beautiful church located at 1710 South Foothill and a wonderful place to come and worship is that east light comes in through those windows yes. on and on All Saints Day, just one of those days. But do you get that feeling that there's a comfort when you talk to some of these folks who have lost a dear one and there's that picture and they're sitting in that pew? Yes, absolutely. Uh, to hear their names mentioned in the prayers uh, and to see the pictures or, you know, people had brought in like something that their grandmother had embroidered or something like that. Uh, and it's, uh, it's again, it's, it's wanting to know that we have that connection uh, with, with our ancestors, with our relatives, um, that we're, we're part of this long line. And, and people really resonate with that. Uh, in, in the Celtic tradition, it was said that around this time of November 1st, it was, it was a thin time. Uh, in the Celtic tradition, and that's continued through Celtic Christianity, uh, it's believed that certain places feel a little more holy. They're a thin place, a place where uh, it's been for centuries a place of prayer and, and communion with God and silence, meditation. Um, this time of year, November 1st, was seen as a thin time. Uh, and that may very well be because our hearts are not just thinking of ourselves, but with our ancestors, with those who have, who have died, that we believe in the Christian tradition, they are still alive in Christ, that their death was not the end. And so I think the time to commemorate on that makes it a thin time, a, a, a thin place. So, um, and, and we often resonate with that. And the, I talked about All Hallows Day, All, All Saints Day, and what happened also in the history of the church is November 2nd was just All Souls Day, which just uh, commemorate all the faithful departed. 
So, you know, my grandfather was probably won't be in the book of saints or lesser feasts and fasts, but in my mind, he lived this kind of exemplary life. And so it's still that time of year we remember all those faithful who have, who have departed. Um, so not just those with a ST period in front of their name. It's a fascinating conversation. You're listening to the Utah Apocopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, and I'm Craig Worth, and we're talking about really a fascinating subject because uh, Halloween has become perhaps one of the most favorite um, holidays of the year, and we know that it's celebrated by more, and monetarily it's become uh, second only to Christmas. I, I was amazed to see that in expenditures and in output, but there's that deeper part of it that we're also talking about that um, uh, goes along with it, All Saints Day, All Hallows' Eve, the uh, whole Day of the Dead and in certain cultures, a time we connect. In Christianity, I think we often think about, of course, the life of Christ. We think about Christ in in an afterlife and sitting on the right hand of God. But we often don't think about Grandma, right, sitting on the, uh, at the right hand of God. How important is that to Christianity that people who are Episcopalians, other Christians, or people know that that afterlife is not just for Jesus, that there is, um, the, and not just the saints, like on All Saints Day, but the souls, the good souls too. Right, and that's, you know, that's seen in the Christian tradition. There's that uh, section in the letter to the Hebrews, uh, it's chapter 11, where it talks uh, about some of the important people that have gone before these great people of faith. And it says Moses did what he did because of his faith. And Abraham, uh, he was a person of faith long before he became a father, let alone the father of many nations, which was his promise. Uh, and so it talks about kind of the history of faith that has happened before our own time. Uh, you know, this would be in the first century. And then and it's that, that beautiful phrase, and it says, because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, in other words, we, it's not just us and not just Jesus alone. It's this, this great cloud of witnesses who have lived in faith. And because of that, uh, we can run with perseverance the race set before us uh, because we, we have this faith in Christ, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. And, and that really is saying it, it's bigger than just, uh, just the saints, just Jesus. It's, we have this great cloud of witnesses. And you know, in the Episcopal Church, we have a few prayers uh, that really speak eloquently about that. You know, we, we offer our prayers for those who have gone before, and we are in communion with them, and we seek their prayers uh, because they are part of this great fellowship of the living and the dead. All are one in Christ. So it um, becomes much bigger, again, a much bigger story than just, uh, just me, just the people around me, just the people in this time. It's saying this, this is part of this whole fellowship of, of saints, uh, people of faith. You just said something that I've never heard before, and that is the prayers from those uh, the angels and archangels and all those who came before us. Right. And you, you included 
their prayers, not just our prayers. Yes. That's, that's an interesting concept I have not heard, but uh, you see that then, that there's a, an active uh, uh, prayers from, we can't probably describe, but um, that's all part of Christianity too then, huh? It is, and uh, in the Eucharistic prayer, the prayer uh, that the, the priest or bishop celebrates uh, communion, uh, there's that wonderful line, and you hear it every Sunday. Uh, uh, it talks about the gift of Jesus for us, for all creation, and that line, and so we join our voices with angels and archangels and with all those of every generation who have looked to God in hope. Uh, our prayers are joined with those who have gone before, uh, which makes even this, this celebration of, of communion in this church at 10.30 on a Sunday morning Part of something far greater uh, than just that, because it's 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 all connected. It, it, it's all in, in in communion. What would be a prayer that you would recommend that somebody would um, uh, say on All Saints Day, but also on other days? Perhaps it's a anniversary of a death of a loved one. Perhaps it's a um, you want to remember somebody on. Uh, their earthly birthday or something like that. Is there um, something? I, I, I think that what you're talking about today is something of very important comfort, but something of very important to our faith that we normally don't get into. In, right. our, in, our, in our cycle of prayer, in our, um, we tend to pray for those who are here uh, in our liturgy, in our three-year cycle of prayer, we, we pray about Jesus' life or those that lived 2,000 years ago. So what, what do you recommend for somebody who perhaps has lost somebody in the year 2019, 2018, or 1952? Um, first of all, I, I think one of the, speaking about those who have passed away, I, I believe the, the funeral liturgy in the, in the Book of Common Prayer is is so beautiful and appropriate. Uh, it's been put together over centuries that really speak about our belief in resurrection and the hope that we have. Uh, life is, is changed, not ended. So we, we have this hope even in the, the face of suffering and loss and grief. All those things are to be expected, uh, but there's still this hope underneath it and this promise that we hold on to. Um, so one, the the liturgy for the burial of the dead in our church um, is actually a, a, just a powerful liturgy. Um, it's not uncommon uh, in parish life here in Utah to do a liturgy with someone um, whose relatives come from a different faith tradition or sometimes no faith tradition. And I've often received comments after a funeral, not, not about what I've done, but what, what the liturgy has said. Uh, and they're so moved and so touched just with the words we use at, at every burial uh, in the Episcopal Church. There's also uh, another prayer. It's on uh, page 250 of the Book in Common Prayer, and I'll, I'll read this one. It says, Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Granted in our earthly pilgrimage, we may always be supported by this fellowship of love and prayer and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit. 
and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, it says, we are one. We have been made one with all your saints in heaven and on earth. Uh, that, that's a reality that, that already exists. Uh, we may only see it in part now, but, but we believe it. Uh, this, this, is, this is what the grace of God is. This is what the hope of resurrection is. And then uh, grant that in these days of our earthly pilgrimage, we know that we're supported by their love and prayer of saints on, on heaven and earth. And we are surrounded by their witness to God's power and mercy. Um, it really says this, this is what we believe, uh, this, this fellowship of, of, of the saints. We're listening to the wisdom and the words, and I, I would have to say the inspiration of the Reverend Trace Browning, who is the rector of All Saints, an appropriate parish name for an appropriate time of year. And you mentioned that um, people come to funerals that perhaps are from a faith tradition that is very different than the liturgy and the ritual church of um, the Episcopal Church, perhaps some of our uh, Christian brothers, the Lutherans, the Roman Catholics have, have similar prayers. Um, but that raises an interesting question that so many people in Utah um, don't observe All Saints Day. I mean, it's just right. not part of, of the beauty of their faiths. Um, it does not have a day like this. It's, it's pretty well restricted to some of churches, um, such as Anglican Communion, the Episcopal Church, and others. So, how do you describe that? If somebody says, uh, Father, they come up to you. Uh, we just see outside it says All Saints Day at All Saints Church. Um, what does that mean? What do you tell them? Uh, because they, you obviously can't do what you've done here, which is talk for 25 minutes about right. the history. But in, in a few words, how do you tell them? Because I think a lot of Episcopalians face that in a neighborhood with uh, kids that are trick-or-treating and and it's just kind of like yeah we have another tradition here what do you tell them uh in, in its simplest uh form i say this is about our belief as christians uh in life after death and in, in the hope and promise of resurrection and so all saints day is is a day set apart uh in the entire year to remember those who have died and and to to say this is what we believe for them and for us, that we're all connected, uh, we are surrounded by their prayers and fellowship, and uh, their prayers and ours are, are one, and that, that death doesn't separate that. That's, that's the promise of resurrection. So at its simplest, All Saints Day is just affirming what we as Christians believe. Uh, now over time, you know, it means kids wearing Superman or other, I don't even know what they wear anymore, but uh, wearing other costumes. But that, that's a way, again, just that's part of the added on stuff that, that is part of the holiday, much like, you know, elves and reindeer are part of, part of uh, the secular Christmas story. But uh, we don't have to turn away from those things. Uh, to me, it's helpful to remember this is what lies underneath it. And celebrating holiday, uh, you know, Halloween with, with pumpkins and costumes. Uh, that can just be fun. It doesn't mean it's anti-Bible, anti-religious. It just means this is this is part of the tradition too, um, and th and that's okay. But but as Christians, we we have something to say about this time of year and Halloween and All Saints Day, All Souls Day. It's it's at the heart of our faith. 
I'm not going to ask you what you're dressing up as on Halloween, <laughs> but I'm going to say that we are down to about one more question, and it's, it's fascinating to hear from you. And, and again, I think it's comforting, too, that these parents can know, or these guardians or friends, that, you know, it's okay to dress up. You're not being sacrilegious. You're not being anti-something or other. It's fun. Right. And you still can do both. And, and I know some people who perhaps join the Episcopal Church and then they go, whoa, am I being sacrilegious? <laughs> and you're saying, no, you're having a good time. Exactly. And, and still remember All Saints Day. Any parting thoughts on this, on the, the great um, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, and Halloween? Yeah, I would just, uh, I would encourage people to think of it uh, as, as some of our Christian tradition has, as, as a thin place, a thin time of year. Uh, and no matter what your beliefs are around Halloween or, or All Saints Day, set this time aside to think of, of the saints in your life. Maybe the big saints like a Mother Teresa or St. Francis, if, if you're interested in their stories. But maybe just, you know, the, the neighbor who passed away, the grandmother, the cousin, the the uncle, the aunt, um, what have we learned from them? What do their lives tell us? And how, how do their lives make, uh, and make our lives richer? And then in turn, how can we take our part in that, in that great uh, cloud of witnesses, that great fellowship of saints? So uh, it, it's a holiday that's really very accessible, and I think uh, people can reflect on that and, and hopefully gain something from it. Well, what a wonderful words. I didn't expect we would gain so much knowledge in this. Thought you would just talk about a little bit of history, but this has been just fascinating. And our guest, of course, the Reverend Trace Browning, who's the rector at All Saints, which is about 17 South in Foothill, a beautiful church. Uh, uh, you probably passed a thousand times. I'll pull into the parking lot and gain some insight and some wisdom. And um, this is, of course, another edition of the Utah Podcopalians, where we examine our church, our unusual church, in this unusual home that we all love, Utah. I'm Craig Wirth of the Diocese. Thank you. <laughs>